All right, how's everyone doing? We're doing good. That, uh, that, was, that was some epic music there. I, I told the guys last week, I was like, let's play something epic right before I take the stage. And I, they played something off my computer, and this morning they were like, your songs are all stupid. That's not epic at all. So that was the tech team's version of epic, and it is way better, I got to admit. So thank you for haunting us all, guys. That was cool. Um, I'm excited. Uh, we got, got one week. Uh, so Easter, you guys know today is, is, is Palm Sunday. I had a chance to, uh, to go out yesterday. Uh, many of us have, have taken a neighborhood and said that, that we're going to pass out uh, cards for the egg drop, and it was, it was cool going out. Uh, I, I went to, uh, I think it's called Cabot Cove off of Hilliard, Rome, and uh, had a chance to, to pass out some cards last year. And as I went out, uh, you know, people are like, what, what church is this? Who are you? What? You know, yesterday, and people are like, oh yeah, the egg drop. We went last year. Yeah, we're going again this year. I talked to people, they're like, yeah, my kids are at Kinder Care. Yeah, I know, we already got cards. And so it was neat just to see, uh, you know, that in some ways we're, we're known in the community and people, people know us and know our events. And so uh, I was really encouraged by that. I wanted to, uh, to let you guys know if you haven't had a chance uh, to, to grab some of those cards, uh, we, we want to get the word out. There are, there are 55,000 people in Hilliard and, uh, and we would love if, if every one of them were there. They would all get uh, point three, five uh, of an egg, but still, um, we would love as many people as possible to be there. We would, we would, that's not actually the math, so if you're like a math major, you're like, no, it's closer to 0.75, Mark. I'm not, I'm just, just joking around, all right? But uh, if you haven't had a chance to do that, we want to get the word out about that. We would love to see as many people here next week as possible. Uh, we want people at the egg drop. We want people at our Easter service, and so uh, we're excited about that, and so uh, yeah, just, just wanted to let you know that, encourage you in that. Uh, and let you know that it's been cool to, uh, to see the word get out in Hilliard. So I uh, wanted to, uh, to focus us on something today that is, uh, is not, uh, not probably what you expect, but I want to read some, some biographies to you here, just some, some, uh, some bullet points on some famous people. So are you ready for this? Yes? Kind of awake? All right, here we go. Here we go. Peyton Williams Manning, born March 24th, 1976, is an American football quarterback for the Denver Broncos of the National Football League, or the NFL, as you may know it, right? A five-time league MVP, he played for the Indianapolis Colts for 14 seasons from 1998 to 2011, and the Denver Broncos from 2012 until the present. He's the son of former NFL quarterback Archie Manning and the elder brother of New York Giants quarterback Eli Manning. Manning played college football at the University of Tennessee, leading the Volunteers to the 1997 SEC Championship in his senior season. He was chosen by the Indianapolis Colts with the first overall pick in the 1998 NFL Draft. His playing career and statistics have ranked him among the greatest quarterbacks of all time. From 1998 to 2010, he led the Colts to eight division championships, two AFC championships, and one Super Bowl championship, while playing in two additional Super Bowls. His five NFL MVPs are a league record. He was the most valuable player of Super Bowl... XLI. I don't know how to read those, right? No one else does either. Uh, he's been named to 13 Pro Bowls, his 13 4,000-yard t- uh, passing seasons, and are for the Indianapolis Colts make him a record, and his career passing yards, 54,828, and touchdown passes also put him among the all-time greats. In 2009, he was named the best player in the NFL, and Fox Sports, along with Sports Illustrated, named him the NFL Player of the Decade for the 2000s. Before the 2013 season was even finished, Sports Illustrated had named him their Sportsman of the Year. Eli Nelson Manning, man, middle names are embarrassing, huh? Mine's Frederick, if you want to tease me later, I'm just being honest, all right? Eli Nelson Manning is an American football quarterback for the New York Giants of the National Football League and is the active Ironman for consecutive starts by a quarterback. He is also the son of former NFL quarterback Archie Manning and the younger brother of Denver Broncos quarterback Peyton Manning. Manning played college football at the University of Mississippi, or Ole Miss, after attending prep school at Isidore Newman School in New Orleans. He was drafted as the first overall pick in the 2004 NFL Draft by the San Diego Chargers and immediately traded to the New York Giants. 
Manning holds the Giants franchise records for most passing yards, touchdown passes, and completed passes in a career, and the NFL record for most fourth quarter touchdown passes in a season. He led the Giants to victories in two Super Bowls, defeating the New England Patriots in both games. Manning was also named the most valuable player in each Super Bowl, becoming one of five quarterbacks in history to have been given this honor twice. So those are the Manning brothers. We all know about the Manning brothers, right? Unless you hate football and then you're really confused and not sure what I'm talking about. But most of us know the Manning brothers. We all know what they do, and if you didn't, I just read you their really boring Wikipedia bios so that you do now, right? Did you, did you guys know that there's a, there's a third Manning brother? Yep. We kind of know that, right? His name's Cooper Manning. Oh, Coop, right? Cooper Manning. We, maybe you've heard of him because sometimes you see stories, and the other two are so famous that he's just kind of like living off their fumes, right? But Cooper Manning... I don't want to make fun of him. The guy's, the guy's a stud. I, I started doing some research on him this week, and he's like a millionaire many times over, right? This guy, um, he, he had a football career just like his brothers. He was super successful, was an all-state receiver, had a D1 full ride to go to Ole Miss just like his, his brother and his dad, and uh, got a diagnosis that he had, he had spinal stenosis and just had to, had to stop his career overnight. Kind of all ended, but he's, he's gone on to do some awesome stuff. He, he's part of a, an oil and gas company, and uh, according, according to CelebrityNetWorth.com, which is where all you can get your, your celebrity net worth figures, right? It's, uh, he says that, that his, his net worth is $15 million, so he's, he's kind of living the American dream. I mean, he, he was an athlete growing up. He's part of a great family. He's got people that love him, and he's, he's got money, and yet, unfortunately, he's Cooper Manning, Right? His brothers are, are cooler and, and better, and uh, that, that just seems to happen sometimes when, you're, when, you, when you find yourself in a group, when you find yourself in a set of three, when you're, when you're in a band, different things. I was thinking of other uh, examples this week, and, and maybe you guys remember the Three Stooges. Maybe you're from a family like me where that's what you did as a family. You watched the Three Stooges. We're not very classy, but um, you know, there's, there's Larry, Curly, and Moe, and then poor Moe passed away, right? And so they were just like, see you later, Mo, and brought in a guy named Shemp and like didn't skip a beat, right? And so he's just kind of the, the third forgotten one. Uh, maybe as, a, as a, a Columbus person, you know Rascal Flatts, right? There's, a, there's the singer who everybody loves because he has a great voice. There's the, the one who looks like Brad Pitt and is a model. And then there's that other guy in Rascal Flats that nobody remembers, right? Uh, there's uh, there's the, the Three Amigos. Maybe you've seen that movie. And so, like, if you start looking at, like, the great movies the Three Amigos have had, you've got, like, Steve Martin, you've got Chevy Chase, and then there's Martin Shore. He's all right, right? And he's had some movies. Um, there's the Baldwin Brothers. Never mind. None of them are famous. Maybe, maybe Alec a little bit. That's a terrible example. Um, but you've got the Jonas Brothers, right? You've got, you've got Nick, who's, like, the great musician. You've got some of you girls are like, yes, I don't want to admit that I know this, but my middle school years were obsessed with the Jonas Brothers, right? You've got the, you've got the musical one, you've got the good-looking one, and then there's just like that other one, he, he could grow sideburns, and so that's why they put him in the group, because he was just, he was that brother that looked older than 12, so, um, but yeah, sometimes when there's, when there's groups, when there's more than one thing, when there's three of something, we, we just kind of forget, and Tyler kind of already uh, referenced that, that sometimes when we look at the Trinity, sometimes when we look at the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, uh, we, we just kind of, you know, we're like, okay, I know God, I've heard a lot about Jesus, uh, yeah, and then the, the Holy Spirit, unfortunately, uh, just kind of get that, gets that rap where we're like, yeah, it's... Uh, it's a JV team. I mean, yeah, I know the, I know the Holy Spirit exists, or yeah, I know that, uh, I, know that I, I should know about that, but unfortunately, uh, we, we study the Trinity, we study the Godhead, and, and we just end up not putting a lot of time, attention, or, or knowledge uh, to the Holy Spirit. And I don't mean this in any bad way. I'm not looking to get struck by lightning, but I think that we have, we've turned the, the Holy Spirit into the, the Cooper Manning of the Trinity, right? Where we're like, yeah, it's a good, 
good thing, but it's, it's, it's mysterious, right? I mean, even the, the fact that it's called the Holy Spirit, we kind of think like, okay, so does that, is that a ghost? Or, you know, like as a, as a child, I remember thinking, what does that mean? And, and sometimes in, in American church or in, in circles of churches like ours, uh, we, we've, we've taken the Holy Spirit and we've thought, okay, I see these, I see these people on TV and they're, they're over here with the Holy Spirit. And so I, I, don't, I don't agree with that. I don't believe in that. And so we let the pendulum swing clear the other way where we're like, let's just pretend the Holy Spirit kind of doesn't exist, right? Like we can talk about it, but let's, let's not really actually, let's not, let's not let it kind of infiltrate our, our church. And so uh, today as, as we wrap up uh, this part of our series, as we wrap up three, we, we want to focus on the Holy Spirit. And we don't want to just say, hey, the Holy Spirit is real. Try to... Uh, try to think about that. We want to talk specifically, again, as we have these other weeks, about glimpses in Scripture that we're given that tell us the character and tell us traits of the Holy Spirit and tell us really who the Holy Spirit is and, and what that means for our lives. And so you know that, that two weeks ago, we, we opened up this series talking about God the Father, and our concept was to, to be still and, and spend time with God. And so we did that. We, we spent some time just looking at Scripture and seeing who God the Father was. Last week, we talked about Jesus, and we said uh, that, that Jesus translates in, in all cultures and, and in all settings, right? We said that we're transformed in his likeness, and so it's just a matter of, of letting him change us and understanding who he is. And so this week, as we look at the Holy Spirit, I want to I give us kind of some, some backstory, some review. Some of us think that the Holy Spirit just showed up because someone wrote a theology book, but I want to give you some, uh, some glimpses of, of Scripture where we can see the Holy Spirit uh, all throughout the Bible. And one of the most uh, famous ones that's, that's often overlooked is the creation account, Right? One of the first stories we learned in, in Sunday school when your, your teacher had those like little felt things and they're putting them up on the board and they're moving all the characters and telling you about Adam and Eve. This is a, this is a quote from, from Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. It says, Then God said, Let us make people in our image to be like ourselves. They will be masters over all life, the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the livestock, wild animals, and small animals. So God created people in his own image. God patterned them after himself. Male and female, he created them. God's speaking about himself in, in plurality, right? He says, let us make man in our own image. And so it, it's funny because as we, as we read back and as we look back on that, we're able to say, all right, God is talking about himself as the Godhead. He's talking about himself as the Trinity. He's talking about Father, Son, and, and Holy Spirit. There's another passage that's pretty famous out of Isaiah, and we often talk about it at uh, the Christmas season. And since it's 80 degrees out today, or going to be, it's not a lot like Christmas. But, but this is a passage I want to look at. It says this, Isaiah 9 Verse 6, it says, For a child is born to us, a son is given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders. These will be his royal titles. You notice these, these, these titles kind of sync up with uh, things we've talked about, the character of God. His titles are Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Maybe you know something about the Holy Spirit. Maybe you know that we've been given the Holy Spirit, that he illuminates things, he, he tells us things, he enlightens us on things. Wonderful counselor lines up with who the Holy Spirit is and, and what we know. And even at the, the baptism of Jesus in Matthew chapter 3, verse 13, it says this, Then Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. But John didn't want to baptize him. I'm the one who needs to be baptized by you, he said, so why are you coming to me? But Jesus said, it must be done because we must do everything that is right. So then John baptized him. After his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved, beloved Son, and I am fully pleased with him. 
And so God is there. He speaks to this setting right out of heaven, right? And we know that Jesus is there as a son because he's being baptized and the Holy Spirit comes down like a dove. And so this is another example where we're given a glimpse into the Trinity. So I'm not making this up, all right? I promise. The Godhead exists in, in three parts, in three persons. And we need to know about the Holy Spirit because looking back, we can see the Holy Spirit is a huge part of what we're told and what we're able to see, what we can know about God. And so this morning, I want to uh, take us to, to John chapter 14 as we continue to look at who the Sp- Holy Spirit is and, and what this means for our lives. And so John chapter 14, verse 1. It's on page 827. If you've got one of the Bibles that's, that's under your seat, you can grab that. Maybe you've got a phone. But we want to, uh, I want to have you read along just so we can, we can learn together. And this, this is a, a passage where Jesus is kind of educating the disciples. He's, he's, he's talking, and, and, and honestly, uh, I shared the quote a few weeks ago, a God that we can comprehend is, is no God at all. And so obviously, as we, as we dive into looking at who God is, there are many things that, that we can't understand or we can't fathom. And I think, uh, I think the disciples are, are kind of feeling the same way because they're trying to wrap their heads around, okay, you're here and you're God... But God is God, and he's in heaven. And I, honestly, I think that uh, they, they were just getting confused. And so I love this passage because Jesus kind of gives us a glimpse. He helps us wrap our minds around, okay, what does it look like to, to serve God? But what does it look like to have a relationship with Jesus and know him? And how does, how does that really mesh with, with the Holy Spirit? How can we be told that we've been given the Holy Spirit? And how, how do all these things click and, and work? And so this is, uh, this is John chapter 14, verse 1. Jesus says this. Don't be troubled. You trust God. Now trust in me. There are many rooms in my father's home, and I am going to prepare a place for you. If this were not so, I would tell you plainly. When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. And you know where I am going and how to get there. No, we don't know, Lord, Thomas said. We haven't any idea where you are going. So how can we know the way? Jesus told them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. If you have known who I am, then you would have known who my Father is. From now on, you know him, and you have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and we will be satisfied. Jesus replied, Philip, don't you even yet know who I am, even after all the time I've been with you? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So why are you asking to see him? Don't you believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words I say are not my own, but my Father who lives in me does his work through me. Just believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe because of what you have seen me do. The truth is, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done, and even greater works because I am going to be with my Father. You can ask for anything in my name, and I will do it, because the work of the Son brings glory to the Father. Yes, ask anything in my name, and I will do it. And so God is painting, Jesus is painting this picture for them. He's saying, I and the Father are one and the same. You've seen me, you've known me, and so you've known God the Father. You've been able to have that connection, and you've seen part of the Trinity. You've seen these two parts that work together. I'm sure they're, they're, they're looking at this and saying, okay, we, we're not worthy to know God. We don't know how we know God. And then Jesus throws this, this crazy statement in, and he says, the things you've seen me done, the miracles, the, the great things that I've done, you're capable of those things. You can do greater things than I've done, right? And these guys are probably thinking, no we, no, we can't because we're already confused. We can't even follow the last couple sentences you said. I don't, I don't, I don't get this, right? And so he, he goes on to, to say this. This is verse 15, and I love this. He says, if you love me, obey my commandments. And then he says in verse 16, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor who will never leave you. 
He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world at large cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you do because he lives with you now and later will be in you. And so these, these disciples have, have been confused. They've, they've wondered, what does it look like to, to know God? What does it look like to, to have a relationship with Jesus and have access to God the Father? And what does it look like to be told that we can do great things, greater things than what Jesus has done? See, we were, we were created to know God, and so that kind of makes sense. And they had spent time with Jesus. They have a relationship with him, and, and that makes sense. And yet, for the first time, Jesus is explaining that, that the Holy Spirit is our, is our gift from God. Right? He says that later the, the Holy Spirit will be in them, and he's talking about when the Holy Spirit comes after, after Jesus goes to prepare a place in heaven. But, but he's referencing the fact that we are given the Holy Spirit, we are gifted the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit guides us and, and counsels us and helps us live life and helps us serve God, helps us honor God and helps us live for him. And so the Holy Spirit is our gift from God. The Holy Spirit is the power of God in us. The Holy Spirit helps us live for him. That's a little glimpse into it, but this morning I want to just give us a list of some other things that we may, may know about the Holy Spirit, we may not know, some things that we forget, because we've been given the Holy Spirit, we've been gifted the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit enables us to live for God, but sometimes when we find that we're not, we're not living for God, we're not, we're not walking with God, we don't feel like our, our steps are anointed, it's because we're forgetting who the Holy Spirit is, we're not walking in that power, we're not remembering. And so the, the first thing that I want to remind us of this morning is that the Holy Spirit is a, is a person, right? I was joking that sometimes we, we think, is the Holy Spirit a ghost or what's this mysterious thing? The Holy Spirit is a, is a person, it's not, this, it's not this power thing. And so sometimes uh, people refer to the Holy Spirit, they're like, well, you know, it's like a force or they, you know, they have like Star Trek or something in their minds that the Holy Spirit is a person. And that just simply means this. In John 14, 17, it said that the Holy Spirit dwells in us and will be in us, right? And so we can know the Holy Spirit. It calls us to relationship with the Holy Spirit. And instead of allowing us to think we can treat the Holy Spirit as a power or, or, or harness the Holy Spirit to... To, to make our, our dreams happen or, or help us find this new house or this dream job. The reality is, because the Holy Spirit is a person, we can know the Holy Spirit. We can have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. We can, we can, we can go to the Holy Spirit and we can, we can know God in that way. The Holy Spirit is a person who has personal relationships with not only believers, but also with the Father and Son. And so we see the Spirit working with the Father and with the Son, and we know that the Holy Spirit is our advocate. The Holy Spirit's not just a person. The, the Holy Spirit is God. We mentioned those, uh, those glimpses of, of different times that we see the Trinity, and the Holy Spirit is, is equated as, as equal to God. He's not a lesser or, or different being. He's one and the same. The Holy Spirit is God. When we forget about the Spirit, when we don't have knowledge about the Holy Spirit, when we don't want to think about the Holy Spirit because it seems to be the confusing part, we're forgetting about certain aspects of the character of God. We're ignoring part of the character of God. And so the Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is eternal and holy. Just like we know that God the Father is eternal and holy, the Holy Spirit is eternal and holy. And in John 14, those verses we read, it says that the Spirit will be with us forever. The Spirit will be with the disciples forever. And so we're able to see the Holy Spirit for just as he is, eternal and, and holy. The Holy Spirit has emotions, right? Because we know that, that every person has emotions, 
Some of you are thinking, yep, I've, uh, I've lost my temper this week, or uh, I've been in an argument this week, or flew off the handle, or I, or I cried, or I was sad, or I was depressed. We know that, that people have emotions, and yet sometimes we, we want to think that, that the Holy Spirit is different, that the Trinity is different, and yet know this, we were created in, in the image of God. We already talked about that out of Genesis, right? And so the emotions that, that we have are one of the, one of the things that we can, we can see how we were created in the image of God. We have emotions because God has emotions. We have emotions because the Holy Spirit has emotions. And so uh, there are verses, there's one in Isaiah, there's one in Ephesians that, that talk about do not grieve the Holy Spirit, right? Maybe we could translate that just simply do not make the Holy Spirit angry or do not stress out the Holy Spirit, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. And, and yet sometimes we want to think, no, it's this magical ghost that, uh, that doesn't really have emotions. It's just kind of like a cloud that people pray to and it seems, it seems kind of sacrilegious to say that God has emotions. But that's, that's reality. Because any person you have a relationship with, you can know them. And you can, you can honor that relationship or, or you can wrong that relationship. And in our culture, we think that, that showing emotion is showing weakness, Right? We always tell little boys, like when they're playing t-ball, don't cry, don't cry. We tell kids playing football, or I tell my kids, you don't need a Band-Aid. Don't ever be sad. You know, I don't want to pay for Band-Aids. They're expensive, you know. We, we tell people, like, we, we, we equate shame with, with, with emotion, and we equate weakness with emotion, and yet we're told that the, the Holy Spirit has emotion. And so God created feelings, and, and that can be misused or abused or misunderstood, but the intent of of these feelings, the purpose of these feelings is, is from God himself. The spirit is grieved when there's a breach in relationship. Whether it's our relationship with God, our relationship with people, when we're disunified, when we're unloving, when we're hateful, when we're jealous, when we, when we gossip, we can, we can grieve the Holy Spirit. And so sometimes there are parts of God that we can't understand and don't understand. And sometimes there, there, there are things in our relationship with God that are, that are very similar to our relationships with others. And there are aspects that we see of God that are very similar to how we understand other people. And we want to mystify them and make them, make them mysterious. And the reality is, the Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit has emotions. And he can be grieved by the things that we do. And so just like you can tick off your boyfriend or your girlfriend, just like you can tick off your husband or your wife, or just like you can, you can upset or, or put some tension in that relationship with your parents, the Holy Spirit is the same way, and our relationship with him in many ways is the same way. The Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is eternal and holy. The Holy Spirit has emotions, and the Holy Spirit has his own desires and will. In 1 Corinthians, we read that the gifts of the Spirit are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions each one individually as he wills. And it's an important reminder of who is in control of our lives, right? We didn't, we didn't pick which spiritual gifts we got, or I would have picked the gift of hair, great hair, awesome, awesome hair, right? And maybe a six-pack of great abs to go along with that, right? But we don't get to pick that. And so God says, you know what? In my Holy Spirit, I want to gift you as an evangelist. I want to gift you as an encourager. I want to gift you as a teacher. I want to, and, and so the Holy Spirit is in control. The Holy Spirit decides who he wants us to be. The Holy Spirit gifts us out of his will. And so we may have our own will. We may have our own desires. We may have things that we want to do. But the reality is we need to live in the will and desires of how the Holy Spirit has created us and how he guides us. That probably could be a whole week, a whole message right there, right? We need to live in the desires and will of the Holy Spirit and the way he's gifted us and called us. And so sometimes the Holy Spirit says something to us. Hey, you've been, uh, you've been ruining your testimony and your family. I want you to step things up. 
I want you to change this part of your behavior. I want you to, and we think, no, I don't want to do that. That's okay. Life and, and honoring God and living for God is not about our will. It's about the Holy Spirit's will. It's about his desires. Sometimes the Holy Spirit says, hey, I've gifted you as an evangelist. I want you to share your faith. We think, no, I don't really want to do that. That's kind of embarrassing. And honestly, sometimes you lose friends when you do that. So uh, maybe I'll just, uh, I'll pretend that you gifted me as an encourager. Have you seen my smile? I had braces for 10 years and it looks great. The Holy Spirit's thinking, nope, I made you an evangelist. That's what I'm asking you to do. And so if the Holy Spirit is able to have desires and a will, that means that, that sometimes that's not the same as our desire and will. And so if we're going to live in the Holy Spirit, if we're going to be in step with the Holy Spirit, we need to align our desires and our will with that of the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is eternal and holy. The Holy Spirit has emotions. The Holy Spirit has desires and a will. The Spirit helps us speak when we find ourselves in, in crazy situations and we need to bear witness. There are verses all throughout Scripture. There's, there's one in, uh, in Mark. There's, there's one in Luke. We see different times that we're told the Holy Spirit gives us the words to say, right? The Holy Spirit guides us. The Holy Spirit gives us a platform so that we can share God. There have been many stories, and maybe you've been in, in one yourself, where people think, someone asked me a question about how God has changed my life or what Jesus meant to me and I started talking and honestly I thought I was going to pass out and I don't remember what I said but God must have given me the words right the Holy Spirit guides us the Holy Spirit leads us the Holy Spirit is our counselor the Holy Spirit illuminates certain parts of life so that we know where to step we know where to walk and we know how to function in our gifting and so the Holy Spirit moves us and helps us helps us bear witness the Holy Spirit is our counselor, as we've already looked at. The Holy Spirit teaches us and reminds us of what we know. We're told all throughout Scripture that the Holy Spirit is our comforter and our advisor and our encourager and our strength. But if those things are the case, that means that all of those things cannot be the case. The opposite of those can happen, right? We all can look back at a time in life and think when we didn't listen to our teacher or when we didn't listen to our parents, when your mom says, hey, don't touch the stove, it's hot. And you think like, well, too bad, I'm awesome. I'm going to throw my hand on that thing, right? Or when your dad says, hey, don't play in traffic, and you decide you want to play in traffic. Okay, that never happened, but just an example, right? There's, there's, there's times in, in life where, where we want to do the opposite of what someone says in our life, where someone that we have a relationship with says, right? Our, our parents say, don't hang out with this person. We hang out with this person. Our parents say, don't go to this place. We go to this place, right? Our teachers say, don't do this. And we're like, well, I'm going to do that because I'm smarter and I know more. And so if the Holy Spirit is our advisor, our encourager, our counselor, and, and honestly is an authority figure in our life who wants to speak into us, if we don't listen to that and we do the opposite, we can, we can kind of expect trouble. And so the Holy Spirit teaches us and reminds us of the things that we should know, the things that we should remember, the things that we see to be true in Scripture and in our walk with Christ. And from the Holy Spirit, we receive power to be God's witnesses to the ends of the earth. Scripture tells us that, and we know that that is true. There's nothing that, that we can do that will make someone respond to the gospel, right? I mean, sometimes we think that we can explain, we can explain how much God loves us and how he sent Jesus, and, and we just want the people that we're talking to to start crying and, and just get down on their knees and be so upset. And they're looking at us like we're one of those infomercials that you don't really understand what they're selling and you're not sure how many payments of 1995 it is and they're just really confused, right? And yet the Holy Spirit is able to move in people's hearts, to move in their lives and draw people to himself. 
The Holy Spirit is what enables us to share the gospel and take the gospel to the world. It gives us, he gives us the, the strength we need. He equips us. And so the Holy Spirit goes before us and is our currency. We're told to share the gospel, but the Holy Spirit is what enables us to share the gospel. The Holy Spirit draws people to God. The Holy Spirit is the reason that, that we can abound in hope. The reason that we have hope. The reason that we know hope. The reason that we can trust hope and trust our relationship with God and trust our relationship with Jesus. Because God has gifted us the Holy Spirit. God has indwelled us with the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit, if you've given your life to Jesus, is living inside of you, is sealed inside of you, and is a part of you. And as humans, as sinful humans, there's often times that that we forget what hope is. We turn our back on hope. We feel let down and we just forget. The Holy Spirit reminds us of the hope that we have in Christ. The Holy Spirit reminds us of the gifts that we've been given. The Holy Spirit reminds us of the grace that we've been shown. And the Holy Spirit reminds us of the gospel. So the Holy Spirit helps us live with hope. The Holy Spirit enables us to live for God. The Holy Spirit enables us to have gifts. And we're told that if if we're living in the Spirit, if we have relationship with God, that our lives should show the fruit of the Spirit. And maybe you were here about a year ago. We had one of our kids' classes come up and, and sing the fruit of the Spirit. It was one of my favorite Sundays in church history because they were just all hyped up here yelling like, love, joy, peace, patience. You know, they're yelling. And I just love, my, my boys still sing that at home. And I love that they know that song. I love that they know the fruit of the Spirit. I think sometimes they wish they didn't because when they lose their temper, I'm like, hey, what are the, the fruit of the Spirit again? And then like four fruit. And they're like, wait a minute, you're trying to discipline me. So, uh, but the, the fruit of the Spirit are what we should see in our lives when we're, when we're walking in the Spirit. We're being led by by the Spirit. They're the attitudes and actions that characterize our lives as we grow and as we follow the Spirit and as we're molded by the Spirit. One more passage that I want to uh, take us to today, just as we close here. It's Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. I think that this perfectly wraps up many things that, that we can talk about, many things that we can know about the Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 on page 910. There are many things that we talked about today with the Holy Spirit, and obviously they could require uh, some more study. You could go home and look up all these passages and and remind yourselves of these things. But this is where I want to take us. As we talk about our lives should be marked by the Holy Spirit, we should know that we're being led by the Holy Spirit and following the Holy Spirit. We know that we're sealed with the Holy Spirit and we have the Holy Spirit. This is is out of Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. It says this. This is how we live by the Spirit's power. We're told, so be careful how you live, not as fools, but as those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity for doing good in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but try to understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, let the Holy Spirit fill and control you. Then you will sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves, making music to the Lord and in your hearts. And you will always give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're told that we're supposed to live by the Spirit's power. And we're told to be led by the Holy Spirit. And even make a a reference there to to, to being drunk, right? Don't be drunk on wine. You guys know why the the Bible cautions us against being drunk? Just so, so we can feel bad, so that we can't have what the world has? And the reality is when we're drunk... 
When we don't know what we're doing, when we're not in control of ourselves, we're not being led and we're not being controlled by the Holy Spirit. So is, is being drunk just wrong just because God decided that? No, it's, it's wrong because it's, it's one of the few times that people are unable to be led by the Holy Spirit. They're unable to, to let the Holy Spirit work through them and control them and, and lead them. Our job as we live for God, our job as we've given our lives to God, our job as we have understood that Jesus showed us grace and, and died on the cross and gave his life so that we could know him and we've been given the Holy Spirit and, and sealed by the Holy Spirit, our job is to be led by the Holy Spirit, to be in step with the Holy Spirit, to be reminded of the hope that we have, to have relationship with God, to have relationship with the Holy Spirit, and just like any relationship, to walk next to that person, to stay in touch with that person, to know that person, and to let that person lead us and encourage us as we follow God. But all too often, we ignore the Holy Spirit. We think, all right, um, I want to give my life to God. I want to, I want to know Jesus because he's loving and he's great. And I, I honestly, I, I don't want to go to hell someday. I don't want to spend eternity without God. And so I want, this, I want this relationship. But when it comes down to understanding who God is, when it comes down to being led by the Holy Spirit, when it comes down to truly letting him speak into our life, letting him lead us into things that, that maybe are difficult, when it comes down to, to letting the Holy Spirit lead us into places that, that we don't want to go or, or things that we don't want to be a part of because they're, they're embarrassing or they're, they're churchy or I, I don't, I don't want to do that stuff. We, we give up and we find ourselves not following the Holy Spirit. This passage says it simply, let the Holy Spirit fill and control you. That might sound, might sound a little over the top to let someone control you. But just like many relationships in your life influence you and control you, this is someone who knows you. This is someone who has your best interest at heart. This is someone who gave themselves up for you. Because there's that tension of somehow God is Father, Son, and, and Holy Spirit. And so this is a God who loves us and gave his life up for us and wants what's best for us. That's who we're told to let control us, to let lead us, to let guide us. We've been given the Holy Spirit. We've been filled with the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we, we forget about the Holy Spirit. We ignore the Holy Spirit. We just reduce the Holy Spirit to being Cooper Manning. The Holy Spirit is greater than that. The Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit loves us and the Holy Spirit wants to lead us so that we can live for him. So our question for the day is, is simply this. Are you working hard to know the Holy Spirit? Are you working hard to listen to the Holy Spirit? Are you working at that relationship, spending time in God's word and with God so that you can be changed, so that your life can display the fruit of the Spirit? Are you listening to the Holy Spirit? My guess is you've probably, you've probably heard from the Holy Spirit before. The Holy Spirit illuminates thing the holy spirit says see that person over there sitting alone i want you to go and talk to that person hey that person that moved in next door they're going to need a friend they need to know someone in the neighborhood i want you to tell them about me most of the time we hear from the holy spirit we know what the holy spirit wants us to do and we completely ignore him because we want to control our own destiny we know what's best for us so our question this morning are you listening to the Holy Spirit? Are you doing what the Holy Spirit says? 
Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is holy and eternal. The Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit has emotions. The Holy Spirit has a desire and will. But none of those things matter if we're not listening to the Holy Spirit and what he wants from us. We're going to spend some time worshiping and singing, and I want you to just take a moment and and bow your heads and ask that. Am I listening to what the Holy Spirit says? Am I listening to what the Holy Spirit wants for my life? Let's pray. God, you are great. Lord, it is is humbling to think of you in, in three persons and yet one great God. Lord, it is humbling to think that that we can know you, that you want to have a relationship with us. And Lord, it's humbling to think that you've gifted us Holy Spirit. And and yet often, Lord, we do not listen. God, help us to know this morning how we're messing up, how we're dropping the ball, how we're not listening to the Holy Spirit and, and what you want from us, Lord. What's next? God, how have we ignored the Holy Spirit, where he's wanted to take us, where he's wanted to guide us, where he's wanted to morph us and transform us and change our will? Go ahead and uh, just take a, a moment where you're at. Ask the Holy Spirit what he's been telling you and what he wants from your life.